0: Welcome to the Untribal Podcast, the show that gives you news content by regular people for regular people. Today I'm joined by Mr. SMP. He's a youth officer. Um, he's through the West. He lives and breathes independence. He's well respected in the party. And his name is Josh Scanlan. How are you doing, Josh? You all right. right? I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad, mate. Some Tell some about your... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your story.
1: Um... The story's not very long. Um, I kind of started getting into politics around about the time of the independence referendum. Uh, I was too young to vote in the independence referendum. Uh, I think I was 11 that year. Um, And, uh, you know, I kind of had a look around, decided that I wanted independence, and that was about as far as my political views went. Um, If you dig deep enough, there's a BBC article somewhere with possibly the world's worst uh, political quote ever, and I'm sure it's something along the lines of, uh, Josh realised the morning after that independence didn't happen and then my quote was like i'm not sure i wanted independence but now i don't know what's going to happen next and it was published so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my uh, claim to fame that's my first official article Fair enough. um after the independence referendum uh i think i w- i think had it gone to yes i maybe wouldn't have got as invested but had it uh seen as it came out as no uh, i started researching more and more kind of the parties that supported independence Um. And the SNP came out on top for me. Uh, the Greens were around at the time, but very, very minuscule, nowhere near where they are today. Uh, and the SNP seemed to align a lot with my views. Nicola Sturgeon had just taken over, uh, and I was a big fan of her. Um, so I just joined the party, and it kind of went from there. Fair enough. Well,
0: see, when you were 11 years old, yes. and you wanted independence, where did that come from? <laughs> I think,
1: well, I, I distinctly remember um, sitting in my grand's back garden, and there being paper all over the table uh, and ever since i was wee i don't know why but i never ever i've got a uh, i have three younger siblings i had two younger siblings at this point and a younger cousin and they were all playing in my grand's garden and i want nothing to do with it i was sitting with the adults i thought i was one of them <laughs> uh, and i remember them just discussing like what way they were going to vote um there was papers all over the table and i think they settled on yes and um, they're very firmly yes now but i feel like that's maybe me that's pushed them that way um but I think they settled on yes, and then being eleven, kind of, I was just like, oh, so that's that's the correct answer then, because my mom <laughs> thinks that it's yes, so it must be yes. Uh, and then having done my own research, I kind of cemented that uh, that view. Yeah.
0: Okay, but and, and you take us back to your own research. How much of it did you actually do in well, <laughs> researching the the TV Labour Party it, and the Conservative Party? And yeah.
1: That? So I did a lot of research into all the parties. Really, um, it did help that I kind of just assumed the position that I wanted independence it doesn't narrow it down significantly in Scotland but um, I did research them all uh, I knew basically straight away that I wasn't conservative I didn't really align you know conservatives are a right wing party Um, and I don't really have any right wing views whatsoever um, so they were a pretty easy to rule out the Labour Party, especially at the time, they had a lot of strong policies. They had a lot of strong politicians. They still do, um, but again, just on the whole independence question, you know, I wasn't swayed. I didn't really like the whole idea that it was done forever um, based on one vote. Uh, so I didn't really side with the Labour Party for that reason. Um, but there is still a lot. Labour still do a lot of strong work just now uh, in Scotland and UK wide, uh, and I do have a lot of respect for Labour as a party. Uh, the Greens. Um, Another amazing party, uh just weren't as big at the time, and I think maybe if I could go back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can see how big they were. They're doing amazing things, but I think uh, maybe did uh, more. I think it was easier to side with the SNP because it was just more out there. There was more mm. information. They were more visible uh, at the time, um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of the research. Fair I enough, did, yeah.
0: And I believe you're at the S P conference the other week. Tell us I about it. I was, that.
1: yeah. It was my first uh, in person conference um in the party. It was it, it was crazy. It was um three days of kind of non stop really. Uh, but just the buzz around the place was kinda of like second to none. There's I've never been anywhere quite like it. I think having everybody back in person after three years of online conferences, uh, people were really just raring to go. And I think especially with, you know, the independence plans laid out as they are, rather than, you know, the last couple of conferences absolutely independence was key but there was never a cemented plan in place now that we kind of have a plan i think the buzz around the place was
0: and what differs to the plan this time rounds
1: i think you mean from 2014 or from yeah from
0: 2014 you know because I, I think yeah. a lot a, a lot of the big issues around independence is the the economy question obviously yeah. the paper has just been released by nicholas sturgeon and yep. uh, there was a lot of talk about currency and how scotland will move to a, a, eventually a scottish pound yep um but how does the economic case differ from 2014? Because obviously we weren't convinced by the economics independence back then. Yeah, absolutely. So what gives you confidence now?
1: I think... So obviously in 2014 we published the White Pages um, and that kind of laid it out. Oh, it's very similar to the series of papers that we've been publishing uh, through the Scottish Government just now. But I think really what gives more credibility to these plans and makes them easier for people to understand is the fact that they have been broken down. So there's, there is... Um, you can read the whole paper I'm sure it's like hundred and forty pages or something so anybody that's not political geeks like us are not going to be reading that <laughs> <laughs> um, cover to cover but there is a shortened version as well uh, available on the Scottish Government website I think um, I think just the fact that the plans are so clear now um, there is nothing to say that we can't continue using the pound as it stands um, and then when the uh, when the guidelines are met for us to be financially stable enough to you know Embark on our own currency adventure, um. Then we can do that, uh, and I think you know it's it's tricky because there is not a lot of real world examples of things that have been done similar to this before, mm-hmm. um. But I feel like you know, saying we're going to use the pound, it's an established currency, albeit, you know, recently it's it's faltered a little bit from where where it normally is, but it is a, a well-established currency, it's recognised worldwide, we're going to use that, we're going to use that to build up our economy, to get us kind of kick-started, and when the time is right, we'll, in, we'll invest in a new currency, a new Scottish currency.
0: Nice one. So, you talk about uh, a currency union in the short term, yep. but we'd be taking over things like taxation yep. and uh, what we spend those uh, taxes on. Yep. Sounds a lot like Devo Max,
1: so why isn't yep. that on the um, voting chart? Well, the thing is, in 2014, we were we were promised, if not Devo Max, as close to it as we physically could get, um, and I think, you know, at the time, that was rejected, we were in the midst of an independence campaign, and obviously independence for any independence supporter is the number one priority, and um, we don't really want any of these kind of deals where it's like, stay, but you can get power over everything, we... we but we d- we accepted that Devo Max was on the table in twenty fourteen. Um granted I'm not convinced it was ever an official UK government, you know, promise. It was just a promise from the Better Together campaign. Um and you know, we were promised Devo Max, it's been now n- nearly nine years since the independence referendum, we're nowhere near it. We've actually, if anything, the uh we're we're getting less and less powers. The the powers from the uh, Scottish Parliament are getting taken away on the regular from the current UK government uh, and the three UK governments that we've lived through in the last couple of months. Um, so DevoMax is absolutely not on the table and I think that's that's maybe one of the biggest differences this time for the next independence campaign because last time there was a lot of promises made and from both sides and absolutely people were right to try and believe them at the time. But I think it's been shown time and time again that every promise that we were made to convince us to stay has been completely and utterly disregarded and thrown out the window. And I think that any talk of Devo Max or anything similar uh, will be very quickly dismissed this time.
0: Fair enough. Well, you mentioned sort of briefly the turmoil that we've had in in the UK government in recent weeks. What do you make of all the drama?
1: Oh, it's mental, isn't it? There is is really... (laughs) there is mental. (laughs) It's insane. I think um, to have gone through three prime ministers in the same amount of months, to have um, Liz Trust say that she's a fighter and she's not for backing down, and then 12 hours later, tender a resignation. um, The Home Secretary that has just been reappointed within the last couple of hours under Rishi Sunak's um, cabinet was, well, resigned um, less than a week ago for a complete security breach. It's just, I mean, it's never happened before, and touch wood, it never happens again, but it is absolutely insane times that we're living through just now yeah
0: well actually it it literally came in an hour ago that the Home Secretary has been reappointed despite that security breach which is wild Um, so what what do you think needs to happen if we were to stay with Westminster in terms of real change you know we're talking about Labour and how they're going to bring a a different future altogether within the UK what do you think they need to promise in terms of changing the actual electoral system to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again
1: I'm not sure. That's that's the thing. I think there needs to be complete w- reform within the within the whole system. It doesn't work for um, Scotland um, as we've shown. Uh, it's the people that don't believe it works for Wales are increasing on a daily basis. Um, there's a, a minority, absolutely, but a minority nonetheless that don't believe that it even works for England anymore. Mm. Um, the system just doesn't seem to work. It's almost like holding on to this kind of this kind of historical. Uh, Function in which we used to, you know, we had the the British monarchy, kind of had the British Empire and governed from one central body over the whole thing. Um, and obviously I'm not comparing living in the uh, UK government as uh, to anything yeah, as yeah. as uh, torturous as what we've seen under the British Empire. But I think it's very similar and very historic to believe that four completely separate and completely different nations can be governed from one place. So in terms of actual reform that can be promised. I don't know. Um, as an independence campaigner, it's not really my focus to make promises for the other side. Um, absolutely any promises that are made from the other side, we'll listen to, and we'll obviously again only want independence. But you know, promises are are, are promises, and this time I think, um, especially if Labour want any chance in a future UK government, um, the the promises need to be followed through and withheld rather than just said to get a vote and then abandoned almost instantly. Mm. Well.
0: You know, as you know, Douglas Ross is near enough doing the hokey pokey where yes, <laughs> yes. where what conservative policies and politicians he's yeah, back and he's went all in countless times on leaders and policies that haven't worked. Yes. Yeah. Do you think the BBC has done his job in properly scrutinising Douglas Ross in r- recent weeks?
1: No. No. Uh, no. I'm not a big. Um, I know there's a lot of people uh, on both sides that think the BBC is extremely biased one way or the other, and ultimately, I I don't. I don't see it that way I think I think it like every system in the world almost it has it does have its flaws and um, and you know there's times where I can see why Scottish independence uh, supporters might be annoyed at the BBC and there's times that I can see where you know British Unionists might be annoyed at the BBC and, and I totally understand both sides but I just in terms of Douglas Ross specifically I don't see any scrutiny on him at all Um. And I almost see no media coverage of kind of anything, you know, you go on Twitter and you see all these reputable kind of news sources saying, you know, I've seen in the last couple of days that there's a lot of, uh, or there's like a a group within the the Scottish Parliament Tory group that want to get rid of Douglas Ross, but they have no capability to do so. It doesn't really, like the vote no confidence system within the Scottish Conservatives doesn't really work how it does down south, especially since they're not in government. So really the leader of the Scottish Conservatives is just a a title ultimately and um, there is no actual like there is no it's not like being the prime minister of the country or you don't really stand for anybody except your own supporters Um i think douglas ross has well he supported boris and then didn't support boris and then supported boris and then supported liz and then supported rishi Um you're doing well here <laughs> yeah well it's a tricky one Um he did see, he seemed to have supported everybody um which is fine, you know, it's the leader of his party and he has, to, you know, that's that's his job at the end of the day. But I think any form of scrutiny on him whatsoever would be fantastic. I've seen, well, from the BBC, I, I've i seen interviews um all over the place uh, that have scrutinised him. But I feel that the BBC, as, you know, Britain's kind of most watched news programme, really, really does have to step up a little bit and start scrutinising him just a little bit more. And what would
0: you say, Tom, if you got the opportunity? Oh,
1: <laughs> um. Look, I, I Boris, um, Douglas, <laughs> Douglas, and I don't uh, uh, see eye to eye on anything, uh, whatsoever. Um, but I'm a firm believer in no matter what your your politics are, that you you stand up for them and you stand up for the people that put you in the luxurious position that you're in. You know, Douglas Ross has the very rare um, opportunity to say that he's not only the leader of the Scottish Conservatives and an MSP, but he is also an MP. So he has two lots of. Um, the electorate to look after and I feel just by never really taking a stance on anything uh, on any of the leadership contest or anything like that and then immediately just siding with whatever wins is exactly what Douglas Ross did rightfully scrutinize Jeremy Corbyn for in the in the uh, 2019 general election so I I think I think he just needs to he needs to pick a side and he needs to stick with it I think it, um, People see right through anybody that supports one thing one minute and immediately changes their mind as soon as it doesn't go in their favour and I don't I don't think that's the correct way to hold public office hmm. well I don't think you can fully
0: argue for something without acknowledging and explaining the best argument going against you first. Absolutely. Josh, you're a uni student. You've yes. run plenty of essays where well, you've had to give balance <laughs> in your arguments. Yes, absolutely. What do you think the best argument for staying in the United Kingdom is and why do you think independence is a better option in spite of that?
1: I think as vague as is the one of the best arguments against independence is the uncertainty. Um it's something that absolutely has been done before, but never scotland hasn't done it um and you know the uk as it stands as has has been around for a long time and none of the four nations have left um there is a lot of uncertainty with independence and, and you'll hear that from both sides but i think really the arguments to 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 leave is that you know based on the last few weeks it really this is almost as bad as it could get the economy is completely crashed um Albeit it's on the mend just now, but the the economy has collapsed. Um, any shred of democracy has collapsed. Our reputation on a world stage has collapsed. You know we we're, were we were a laughingstock on the front page of Germany's best-selling uh, political magazine <laughs> less than three days ago. Um, so I understand the uncertainty, and that's you know it's my job to persuade people of that uncertainty. But it really this we can, Scotland can do so much better.
0: Mm. And you mentioned uncertainty there, and yeah. I picked up on, in 2014, a lot of the yeah. campaigning tactics that the, the Better Together campaign used was was negative, you know, I, I watched one of the videos, I think there must have been a world record mm. amount for the of <laughs> times that said you're going to lose your job yes. if you vote independence. Yes, it was very yes. much that, and I wonder if you think that Nicola Sturgeon's homed in on that in terms of independence. This, you know, I think negative campaigning it strikes in your minds a lot more in a, in a more alert fashion than yeah. positive information does. Absolutely, fight or flight, all that kind of psychology. Yep. you know, it literally strikes a nerve hearing it, and it makes you more alert to the information. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you think that Nicola Sturgeon's picked up on that and is homing in on the negatives of the UK government just now in terms of her campaigning strategy.
1: Yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it, how that progresses throughout the rest of the independence campaign, but I think absolutely just now she is. And I and I feel that in part that is because that is what everybody is talking about. That's the main talking point just now, you know. Um, there's people on the right, people on the left, and people in the centre are, are waking up and realising that, you know, this, this place is a mess and we really need to get our own house in order. And, you know, I think there's a lot of press just now on the negatives of, the way that we've been functioning for the last couple of months, and I think that um, Nicola Sturgeon knows that if she focuses in on them, the people that could be swayed on independence—you know—we're not talking your hard nose, or um, but we're talking you know your soft nose or your soft yeses—they can really be persuaded on the fact that this is not how a country should run, and um, especially not a country as big on the world stage as the United Kingdom. And um, so I think really honing in on those um negative campaigns and those negative you know headlines that other people are printing almost for us um is really a a really a good way to win people over i feel Mm -hmm.
0: and i one of the big positives about the the independence um uh, argument is the ability to rejoin the european union absolutely obviously scotland overwhelmingly voted for that Mm -hmm. and that's a big selling point yeah But with that comes a lot of problems. And obviously we've seen in recent weeks that there will have to be a border between Scotland and England directly. If we do join the European Union, there is going to be checks on things like goods. And I think a lot of Scottish businesses will be listening to that and thinking, that sounds scary right now. In terms of, you know, we looked at all the carry-on that's went down south in terms of Brexit. Absolutely, yeah. You look at how, you know, hard line the policies are in terms of illegal immigrants just now yeah there's a seems to be a zero tolerance to the point we're shipping off people to rwanda yeah um and i don't see that easing up too much if we've got that border between scotland and england as well yeah so that's you know nicola sturgeon talks about how these are problems that can't be overcome but how do you see these problems in
1: terms of a selling point in terms of the positive case for the european union i think it's definitely tricky um but I think what's what's crucial to remember is that everything that we have seen from Brexit and everything that we have seen, you know, all the negatives, the the policies of sending or trying to send immigrants to Rwanda, these are all policies and issues ultimately that have been a direct correlation with the fact that we have a right wing UK government leading these talks. Um, you know, Brexit is a mess and Brexit has been a mess since the day after the the, the Brexit referendum. But, you know... Theresa May took over, and had her two or three years of chaos, and she was a she was a Remainer ultimately. Um, she she wanted to to stay in the European Union. So you know those three years of kind of chaos were preventable by getting anybody in in the party that wanted what they were trying to fight for, and then the next three years where. Boris Johnson and then subsequently Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak have taken over. Is they have taken the they've taken the almost Trumpian approach of appealing to the the very far right people, um, the people that that believe that you have to be born in a country to live here. You have to, you know, yeah, you, ha- you have to, you have to have control of your own land and nobody else can have any form of say on any policies. And it's just that that politics is just not how a a scotland government would negotiate these things there is definitely complexities that come with scotland being in the european union and the rest of the uk not being in it um absolutely but there have been talks again since the day after the referendum about the border um between ireland and northern ireland um you know these issues however unsolvable they seem just now because the situation in ireland is worsening on a daily basis are not unsolvable altogether. And it, and it would be a period of negotiation between the Scottish government and the UK government. Um, and, it, and it would be tricky. I don't think anybody would say it would be easy or like even an overnight fix. Um, and the truth is we just don't really know because we don't know who the government is in the rest of the UK that we'll mm-hmm. have to be negotiating with. But on a whole, these, these aren't problems that can't be overcome. They're not problems that we... We'll hold our hands up and say, you know, well, we, we can't fix it and there will be a hard border, you know, for as long as we can and for as hard as we can, we will fight and negotiate the best possible deal for the people of Scotland, um, whether we're in the UK government, well, whether we're within the UK or not. Um, and yeah, I think I think the, the type of government that's negotiated Brexit and made such a complete mess of it is not the type of government that Scotland I can ever see Scotland voting in and it won't be the type of government that are making the negotiations on our behalf.
0: Nice one. And what do you think is your biggest passion in terms of your support for independence?
1: I just think that Scotland, and I think we've proven this time and time again, Scotland is a very progressive country. It is a more left-leaning country, absolutely. We have to represent and listen to everybody in the country. Um, you know, I was just listening to your uh, episode that you did with Alex Cole-Hamilton uh, on the way here, and he made, th- he made the fair point that, you know, whilst the SNP and the Green Party have... Uh, majority of seats in the Scottish parliament they did not get 50% of the vote um and that means that there is half of the country that that don't believe in the ideologies that you know that i do and and that's fine and i think what's so important is just keeping them people with us you know whether we get independence or not these people still live in this country and their views are all absolutely still valid um but on a whole Scotland is a far more progressive country than we seem to be when we're lumped in with the UK government and I think having the key to independence is not about having Nicola Sturgeon reign over Scotland forever it's not about even having the SNP reign over Scotland forever it's simply just giving Scotland the tools to vote for a government and then get that government okay
0: well thank you very much today Joss we're coming to the end I do like to have a bit more light-hearted questions because you've been put through the ringer today (laughs) um first of all who would you uh, who would you have at your celebrity dinner table let's say three
1: people oh right okay um i think rather controversially i would quite like to have a sit-down meal with boris johnson i think he is interesting he is some ca- <laughs> i feel like i would absolutely have to put my politics aside <laughs> um for that meal to be any form of enjoyable but i think that he is some character and i really would quite like to to uh Take a deep dive yeah, and figure out what is going everything. on. <laughs> I want to hear every story that he's got. Um, I think to uh, I think I'd maybe want to, I'd maybe want someone really famous. Uh, I think maybe I'd, I'd take Harry Styles. I think Harry Styles. I want to know that man has not stopped touring for about what feels like forever. <laughs> um, so I want <laughs> I want to know. Uh, I want to know what that's like. I think that would be really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And then, Billy Connolly. I Billy think. Connolly? Yeah. Good choice. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that'd be something else there. Uh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know how the the mix would be in terms of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe um,
1: Boris and Billy Connolly might have a, a bit of a conversation yeah. and Harry and I can just watch on the sidelines. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, who do you think the best politician is in the UK, outside your own party? Um... Or even on the global stage, if you want to go there.
1: Um, I'm a big, big fan of um, AOC. I think, I think she's she's amazing. I think the way that she speaks really captivates people that don't even care about politics. I'm, am really, really big on the fact that you know politics is massive, and these people that don't have a political opinion ultimately do have a political opinion. Everybody has opinions on these things, but they just don't feel represented. And I feel like she's so good at kind of captivating everybody and feeling making everybody feel like they're represented
0: nice one and what does the future hold for Josh Scanlon are we looking at the not maybe not the next first minister but a (laughs) a future first minister perhaps or
1: um it's very hopeful people people do ask me this a lot um I think because I am so vocal and I have been from a young age but um the truth is I don't know because I don't ultimately if things go the way that I want them to go this time next year we will be an independent country um, and so there's then so many questions of what happens to the SNP after that
0: well I was about to ask you that you what, know, what do you think do you think the SNP become obsolete after I that I think
1: or? I think a a portion of the SNP will still be about whether we'll be as big a party as we are just now I don't know we are very much a broad church party you know there's people with lots of different views uh, within the party and independence is one of the f- things that keep us all together under one banner mm-hmm. and I think that Having independence would be really interesting. It would be really interesting to see, you know, where all of our politicians go politically and, you know, it gives, and, and to see what policies they, they all believe in for an independent Scotland. I think it would be very interesting to see. But, uh, future First Minister <laughs> is, um, it's maybe a big ass, big shout but <laughs> but I, I wouldn't say no
0: <laughs> fair enough well thank you very much Josh for no, joining us today thank it's you. been an absolute pleasure thank you very so much so anything else you want to say to our listeners
1: I don't think so just even if you feel like politics is crazy just now and it is um, don't give up on it there is so much good that can be done with politics even when it feels like everything that is happening just now is a nightmare it can be fixed and you could be the person to fix it so don't feel like just because everything else has gone crazy you just have to give up definitely keep fighting the good fight <laughs> inspiring
0: josh thank you very much <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> catch you later see you soon see you.